0: Who yeah. would have thought? And this is, this is a whole new segment oh, of the really? industry.
1: I thought um, that someone said years ago, you can eat um, Alpo if you wanted to, but it's not really healthy for you, but you could if you had to in like a pinch, I guess.
0: I mean, you can eat anything in a pinch. It's just <laughs> what it does to you is the question.
1: And now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. It sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody's hitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine show. hey what's happening everybody how are you doing today you know thank you so much for listening and i am chris and i'm christine and
2: welcome to episode 141 of the chris and christine show
1: ah glorious and fantastic how are you doing today baby doll
2: i'm doing good because i have my furry best buddy sitting right here with me the one the only the fabulous clover the
1: wonder dog oh there she just got away now she's biting your ankles (laughs) hey clover
2: hey clover what you doing baby doll yeah, you can hear her in here, but she literally is a little ankle ankle biter. She runs around after me, and she likes to snap a snap at my, my ankles. Snap or snip? Snip at my ankles. Well, you ankles. mentioned she
1: was furry earlier, but I have to say, not so much anymore.
2: <laughs> She's not. So Clover got a haircut, more like a shave. And uh, she is very short. Sorry, she's attacking my foot right now. It's so funny. But we have Clover in here because she's a big part of our episode this week. Aren't
1: you, Clover? Say hi to the microphone. Put it next to the microphone.
2: Say hello. Oh, she's (laughs) licking the microphone. You can hear that. (laughs) Clover the Wonder Pup. She she is very short and not so hairy anymore because we got her her summer cut in San Diego. I mean, we have a hot summer, but it really starts to warm up in like late July and August and then it stays hot all the way until October so we went ahead and got her her summer cut and they took her down pretty short and her hair's starting to grow back a little bit but she looks like a totally different dog she looks like a
1: chihuahua now no she that? doesn't
2: she looks to me she looks kind of like a like a lab or a golden retriever but dark brown
1: yeah I was thinking more like a miniature sized Doberman Pinscher
2: no I don't know Clover what do you think you look like
1: uh, she doesn't care. She, actually she, was, yeah. she was actually looking in the mirror. She's like, who's this other person? This <laughs> she's looking, like me. All
2: she's caring about is she's looking at my feet right now, thinking that those are her favorite shoe toy. <laughs> oh, she loves
1: shoes. Let me tell you. <laughs>
2: yeah, she does. But uh, other than Clover getting a haircut, it's been a pretty eventful week over here in wedding land. We had a doubleheader this weekend. No way. A big, massive wedding weekend for one wedding that took you know three or four events over three days. And then a second wedding. Wait on a Monday. second. Do they
1: get married multiple times during each event?
2: No, no. They're not our past podcast guests. They're not the ones <laughs> that get married over and over again. But it's very typical, we're not for everybody, but it's very typical nowadays for couples to have wedding weekend experiences, especially when they have so many different people flying in from out of state. They don't want to just be like, oh, just come in for this one thing. It's about, you know, families melding and blending together. So they had a welcome party. A wedding rehearsal, a beach party, a rehearsal dinner, a cocktail party. And then the next, the following day after those first two days was the actual wedding, which went, for the record, until 1 a.m., which means that Chris and I did not get home from what we call strike, which is tearing down the event, until
1: 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're welcome, by the way.
2: Yeah. Well, you went home in between and you actually got to like hang out and do whatever you wanted. It was whatever
1: I wanted. I mean, I had to take a nap, but you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. You took a nap. (laughs) And then you were like, "Oh, I'm so tired." I called you, and I was like, "Babe, you need to come." And you're like, "I'm gonna take a shower right now." I was like, "No, I need you here in 45 minutes." You told me to tell you, and you were like, "It's the only way I'm gonna stay awake." That is
1: the only way I wake up. Really, I mean that. I- did you take a shower? I did take a shower, and I woke. You people- did? Yeah. Yes.
2: I thought you just came.
1: Oh, no. I took a shower. I,
2: oh. I did
1: because I felt all gross and stinky. And I wanted to like, go up to the party and be like, who's a stinky guy um, You know, at the party? Well, you, know? you would have
2: matched with me because I felt like a stink bomb.
1: Well, it's, it's on you. See, <laughs> I want to make sure I smelled great.
2: I walked 22,000 steps that day. That's like more than our biggest day at Disney World. Really? Yep. It was like more by a couple thousand steps, more than our... That's, that's perspective for how hard wedding planners work on wedding days is I did more work, more walking on a wedding day than
1: all through Epcot. You know, it just reminded me when you're up there doing your thing, we got up there super early, not really early, we got there early enough. And then um, I realized as I'm home, relaxing, taking a nap, I'm going to go chill out and hang out here for a while, is that, that you are still up there doing your thing and here it is getting close to one o'clock and I'm like – Christine's still up here doing her thing.
2: Yeah, I arrived at the venue at what time did we get there? I think we started to load in around 10 a.m., uh, but I was up at 7 a.m. that morning and then I got back to bed at 3 a.m. So it was a super long day, but I will say that the day was completely flawless. That other than the stress of getting this gigantic shot wall oh, let's into talk the hotel, of, let's talk about that in thing. just a second, other than the stress of getting that giant shot wall into the hotel into the resort. Um, everything else went flawlessly. But I will say, trying to get this shot wall well, upstairs. What is a shot wall? Well, hold on. I thought that we were going to like break up because we were so mad at each other.
1: <laughs> well, you were mad at me because I was trying to you
2: know, persuade
1: you with the common sense no. of like, this thing is dangerous and you can kill somebody. Ladies. But whatever. It looks pretty. No, that, I'm know. talking
2: about the transporting it up the hill or up the, the walkway. And let's just talk about that for a second. You wanted to do common sense. I wasn't disagreeing. It was I had a task to do. But what a shot wall is, the bride wanted to have her. So it's like specialty seating charts is a thing. Like every wedding, if you have a like a place, like people that they need to have assigned seating, you have to have a seating chart of some, si- some sort for them to know where they're going. So this bride, she saw on Pinterest the idea of, A big wooden wall with ledges, uh, little shelves on it, with shot glasses set on it that had little cocktail flags that had each person's name and table number. And so I worked for several months trying to find different vendors that could do it for her, for her to rent it and deliver it. And it was so expensive. So she asked her dad to make it. And her dad made it for her. and It was pretty amazing. But it was eight feet tall by four feet wide Wood. With wood shelves, with wood braces, which wood that is that sturdy is not light at all. I mean, how many pounds do you think it was?
1: Uh, The whole thing? Like over 200? Yeah, with the legs or just the thing by itself?
2: I think the whole thing.
1: Yeah, over 200 pounds. Over 200 pounds? Yeah, 200 pounds. Yeah. close to it or whatever it was. I mean,
2: it was... Heavy.
1: It was freaking heavy. It was pretty heavy. And then the thing was, what I was freaking out about was I was getting upset about with Christine, and Christine and I had a little argument about, was that when we finally got it upstairs, we finally started putting everything, all the screws in, we got everything set up with the legs. When the uh, bride's father, who made this thing, he designed it, it's great that he's got this whole tall wall standing straight up, and he's got these legs- It wasn't
2: straight up. It had a slight, very slight tilt to it. Well,
1: it was- but it it's the, designed
2: to be on a completely flat, like, paved
1: surface. But it had legs, like, on the backside of it and the braces on the backside of it. So, everything was great for the backside. And I just said, um, what about the front? Right. Like, what if this thing falls forward? Because there's nothing keeping it from falling forward. Yeah, We're there's all not, the, like,
2: a kick plate or anything down at the bottom that right. was to, like, keep it steady.
1: So, I'm thinking, if you put weight on this thing. And all the shot glass are on this side of the wall. And, and like well, I'm just ba- barely touching the thing. I'm like barely rocking it forward and show Christine, look, this thing is so loose going forward. It's going to fall on somebody and kill somebody.
2: Well, what ended up happening is when we moved it upstairs, the spot where we needed to put it, the back half of the wall where half of the leg braces was, was on like this concrete, this polished concrete. But then the carpet start started and the carpet was like a fraction of an inch lower and so it the front the heavy part of the wall settled down onto that carpet area which means that the back part of the legs was no longer flush leaving it off center and front heavy and so fortunately chris was able to scavenge and find sandbags for us to be able to weight it down. But even then, we were nervous. Thankfully, the shot glasses were plastic. So the weight was not significant. But it was a huge hit. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was a huge hit. Everybody was uh, photographing it. and um, But the problem is, (sighs) okay, from a vendor's perspective, whenever you get ready to go and transport things, the loading in process for all of the products of whatever it is that you're delivering is always a challenge. And at a venue like this, they require you to go through the loading dock and then you have to go down this long hallway to the service elevator. You go up the service elevator and you come out and then you can go into the ballroom. But when I say a long hallway, like a long hallway. The way the
1: resort kind of sits, it's almost like a big, like, letter I or whatever. It's not.
2: Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good analogy. So,
1: so at the bottom of the eye would be like the loading dock and the part you got to be at is at the top of the eye. It's like one big long shot. Yep. So that's That's exactly.
2: So we loaded in at the bottom of the eye and then we had to walk that whole long walkway and then go on the top of the eye to the service elevator and up and then out and around to get into the ballroom. And this shot wall, eight feet long Four feet wide, over 200 pounds. We had one dolly to transport it. A dolly that, by the way, did not have wheels that would stay in one direction. So as we're moving it, they'd keep rotating. And it's like, here we are trying to keep, first of all, the wall is very front heavy because of all of the shelves. And so we're trying to figure out which way to put the pressure on the wall. So You know, Chris, he's like hopping on either side, like as we're moving it. He's like, hold on, let me go on this side. And I'm like falling over. Right. But here I am on the heaviest side. And he's like runs to the other side without telling me to try and hold the the wall. But then like randomly leaves me with this big old big ass wall. Sorry, I'm I'm cussing. My apologies. Beep. This big old wall. (laughs) And he like it's on wheels now. And he hops on the other side and it starts to fall on me. And then the dolly starts to slip from underneath it. And here I'm trying to grab it. And I'm like, Chris, Chris, Chris. And he's like, what? It's not that bad. I'm like, it's freaking heavy. Of course it's not that bad to you. And and then you were like, oh, no, it's not that heavy. I'm like, but you're on the light side because it was the top of it that didn't have as many shelves. Needless to say, we had to keep our voices very low. And it became that argument of, Chris, I am (laughs) trying to do this. We are in a public place. And Please. I'm telling you,
1: this thing is unsafe. And someone's going to get killed. You got your insurance and gets, you figured it out. You and he's your- doing
2: this. This is this is the whole conversation. Somebody's going to die. It's not going to be on me. I'm not going to stand by. I I want to in writing that you are not going to be liable. I was like, it's not my my. Device. But you are the wedding
1: planner for but the whole event. Does, if, if something goes wrong with the wedding, you know they're going to blame you.
2: No, no, because the couple had insurance. They had to get the design approved. They got it approved by the venue. I was out of the loop on that. All I said is I would transport it, but I would take no responsibility for it. And so we did, you did, rescue us, save the day by finding all of those sandbags. And it was stable and it was perfect. But then at one o'clock in the morning, we had to disassemble it and figure out how to get it back down through the bowels of the hotel. And
1: luckily for Christina over right there, she's played the old damsel in distress. and <laughs> found two drunk guys, they were like <laughs> macho. And hey, I didn't help with carrying carry sink down. No, I
2: didn't say that. I was... Uh, can you guys... No. Please? Oh, oh, please help me. Oh, please help <laughs> oh, me. Sir. Sir, oh, oh, sir. I'm a helpless little damsel. No, so I was sitting on the ground and Chris, you had gone to get the dolly, I think. And so... I was there trying to unscrew the um, pins from the, the the legs and they they were drunk. These guys walk up and they're like, Uh, hey, uh, do, do you need some help? I was like, I actually really do. And they like got down on their knees and they were like wedding guests and they like started to unscrew everything and they're like, We've got this, we've got this. And then Chris, you came back up and I was like Honey, these gentlemen have offered to help us with it and you're like, "Um, okay." Okay, but <laughs> where to go? To them, and I said to them, I was like, "It's a really long way. Like you're going to have to take it down through an elevator, down through the bottom all the way to the loading dock." And they're like, "We Wait, got you, this." you
1: told them this cuz they uh-huh. said, they looked very shocked when I when they saw the hallway.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Wait, what?" And I told them, I was like, it's a really long way. It's really long and it's really heavy. And they're like, it's all right. We got you. And so they were like, all care. The power it. of
1: alcohol, let me tell you. I
2: know, right? And then they came back up and they had their shirts off at that point in time. And they're like, that, how how are you guys going to do that without help? And I was like, exactly. We had to do that on the way in. I said, I thought my husband and I were going to get a divorce.
1: <laughs> I thought we'd just leave it here. So it's, it's, it's part of the uh, venue now.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's now been gifted to them. But that was the only complication. Otherwise, it was a completely flawless day. Our bride and groom were so overjoyed with how gorgeous everything was. And if you want to check out how gorgeous everything was, you can check out my business Instagram, which is Christine Smith Designs. And that's Christine with a K. And I would love for you to hop on over, take a peek, comment on some of our photos from this past weekend, and uh, let me know your thoughts
1: fantastic but that was not the only wedding you did this weekend
2: no it was not you are correct so i also had a wedding on monday which is so
1: sunday night you got done we, wait, first off monday time?
2: morning i got home and to bed at 3 a.m
1: 3 a.m monday morning and then monday- brighten
2: up i was brighten up or, but i can't even say my words i was up bright and early so that was at 7 a.m on monday
1: so you had about three hours sleep
2: four hours yeah
1: and they wanted back out to a second wedding
2: yeah, and that one is very sweet couple, but there was a lot of stuff that had taken it was supposed to be a very simple coordination gig, but there was a lot of stuff that hadn't been done and I had to I had to put in a lot of extra work on it, more than what I had anticipated or charged for. Oh
1: no, it's the worst.
2: And, yeah. And then at the last minute I just had to go and grab a bunch of stuff. I didn't even really make money on it because I had to No I know. But you know what? They're a sweet couple and I helped their day hopefully be perfect but um you know there's there's I love this business and I love what I do and I try to give a lot to my clients um, and it's always a delicate balance of like charging enough and knowing my worth with balancing with what the services are that I provide and that's definitely what happened here. But out of it, I got to do coordination at a venue I've really been wanting to work at, which is called Flora in San Diego. Flora? Flora? Flora. F L O R A. Flora, the venue in San Diego. Okay,
1: what is it? What what is it? Restaurant or what? So
2: they took this, like, um, I wouldn't even call it like a warehouse, but it's downtown on 7th Avenue. And they took this um, space and kind of cleared it all out. It has polished concrete floors, which are really beautiful and simple kind of like a almost a like an urban kind of vibe to it all the walls are painted white but then it's a greenhouse inside so no it way. has hanging greenery greenery chandeliers uh preserved moss preserved fern and it's it's really hard to describe cuz it's so unique but it was stunning by itself but I actually did the florals and all of the decor as well as the coordination and Made a really good new industry connection and I think a lifetime lifetime friend in one of the- That's so sweet. Yeah, one of the planners slash event manager for the venue. And um, she's the same age as me. I think we're one, in, one year difference. Her birthday is actually 10 days after mine. No way. Yeah. And um, we really kicked it off. And I was like, okay, this is somebody who gets what I do and the passion behind it and also has like that- organization mindset somebody that I could just you know chat with and and process through wedding stuff with and it was just really fun that's
1: amazing now this person works at the venue or owns a venue
2: no she works at the venue yeah she's the venue manager and so um, she does really great work over there and yeah so it was a busy day but as as opposed to the Sunday wedding which didn't get till one didn't, didn't get done until one this other wedding, Um, was a pretty low key affair, uh, 50 guests and a lot of them were like kids or families. And so, um, it started at four 30 with a ceremony and then they didn't, the couple doesn't drink. And so they had a mocktail hour with appetizers and that went quicker. And so we actually cut it like short by 15 minutes and everything moved up on the agenda. So, um, They ended up deciding to do their grand exit at 8.45 p.m. And then after that, pretty much everybody left. And so by 9.30, we were cleaning everything up. And by 10.15, I was on my way home.
1: No way. Now, what time does weddings normally get over? Like an evening wedding, I guess.
2: Like they'll go till 10.00. 10-ish. Or 10 to midnight. So it just yeah. depends.
1: Well, it all depends on the venue, I would think. Because some exactly. venues have like, everything's going to be out here by 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever.
2: Yeah, 10 o'clock is typically the earliest because of like noise ordinance rules. Right. But it'll be like between 10 and midnight is the standard. Um, but the other one that I did, you know, ending at one, is really late.
1: Right. You know, I was kind of wondering about that one because it's in like a – it's in Encinitas. It's kind of a richy, kind of like a beach city area. Right. Where you would think that like an HOA would be like over $1,000 a month and they'd have like lights out by 9 and no noise past 10. But the
2: difference is they're perched up on this bluff above a beach. So, there are no neighbors that are right nearby. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah. And they're elevated. And so, they were supposed to close the doors to the balcony by like midnight But um, they ended up keeping them open until 1, and oh gosh, they partied hard all the way through. But it was spectacular.
1: It was amazing. That that place looks amazing. That place to stay at looks great.
2: Yeah. What's it, what's it it called? It's called the Alila Maria Resort in Encinitas, and it's a Hyatt property. And I will give a huge shout out to the staff at the Alila Maria because they were phenomenal. The food was amazing. The service was top notch. And the same for my event on Monday It was at Flora, the venue, and then the catering was Ranch Catering, which is located at Marina Village in San Diego. So, if you are planning an event in or around San Diego, definitely reach out to one of those companies because they were absolutely phenomenal.
1: Top notch. Yes. Top dog, just like this dog right here, Clover Bear.
2: Well, so, now I've shared everything that happened this weekend, Chris. You, as the outside observer and logistics manager got to see me oh thank in, you
1: for uh my title yes by the way. got
2: to see me in full wedding mode back to back what's your perspective of of me after seeing that whole weekend
1: you are amazing you're amazing to watch and i am so inspired by everything you do that i want to be part of it i want to just be there with you that's why i like being like i remember i was telling you on the day we did that one wedding on sunday it was exhausting but i was like you know what we really do enjoy doing this together. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a really fun thing. I know the podcast is fun too, but this mm-hmm. is this is it's fun because you are physically doing stuff like out there in the world, mingling with new people and yeah. kind of like meeting new things. And you're bossing me around because you're like doing that, <laughs> and I take your orders and I'm moving things around for you. And
2: I know sometimes you're like, well, why don't we do it this way? And I'm like, today I'm the boss of the business, and I need you to just like. And I hate to be like that, but it's like on wedding days. We don't second guess how to do it. It's like, okay, Christine's gonna direct, and I'm just gonna do it.
1: Exactly. You know, like you've got to
2: learn that, dude.
1: And I was thinking about my truck too the other day. I was like, man, yeah, I, I don't drive my truck as much, but then I drove like a thousand miles over the weekend. You know, moving back and forth. It the wasn't way. a
2: thousand miles over the whatever weekend. whatever it
1: was. It was a lot. You know, a hundred. No, it was more than that.
2: All right.
1: Yeah, I put gas in like three times. <laughs> my goodness.
2: No, you put it in twice, and then you had to use the gas money that I gave you for the third time and. Spent it on other stuff.
1: You Google all you know, the kids eat in and out. You know, yeah. you know in and goes. Yeah.
2: Well, how was your week and your weekend? I've dominated most of this conversation.
1: Well, this week has been fun helping you out. Of course, you mm-hmm. know so I, I always love helping you out and doing the wedding mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I wish I could. I wish I could do with you. Do it with you full time. On the wedding Stop adventures. Stop saying
2: that. I'm You've got to have a job, dude.
1: I know. Stop just, being a mooch. I'm money not a, mooch. I'm not a mooch. You just want to help. It's are a money mooch. Helper's help. You know I'm saying? i a help, mm-hmm. helpful person. Like little clover here. Mm-hmm. Aren't you a clover bear?
2: Yes, she's so excited that we actually got a few samples of this amazing dog food. That is from this wonderful entrepreneur who's really revolutionizing the world of pet food in the industry. And she was so wonderful to join us and talk to us about her journey. And she's gonna be back with us right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. She is going to chat with us about keeping our furry friends healthy and happy. Welcome to the show, Hannah Mandelbaum. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, Hannah, how are you doing today? How's your day going?
0: Good, good. It's been a a long, strange Monday. Went for a jog a little bit earlier today. Did some handstands. Uh,
1: While you're jogging? How do you do that?
2: (laughs) Not at the same time. Not at the same time. That would be a new talent that I would have loved to seen, but I, I need to know the story. Is the handstands like a strength building thing or is it you just randomly like to do handstands?
0: It's a thing I am working on right now uh, as my as my pandemic fitness product, uh pandemic fitness project. I used to be an aerialist and do trapeze. No way! And yeah, <laughs> well, you ran away with a circus. Really ax- so,
1: you, so you grew up and ran away with a circus, right?
0: <laughs> I did not grow up and run away with a circus. I grew up, went to college, moved to Brooklyn, became a dog walker.
1: And then discovered circus. So how um, did you how that process happen? Going well, from dog walking to join the circus. Well, I, I mean, I guess. Well, trapeze one, not necessarily. One day you were walking on one of those railings next to the subway, and you're like, I can do this for real, right?
0: No, not at all. Actually, <laughs> it's sort of related to my dog walking. Oh, I used to walk this dog in a neighborhood called Park Slope, and the person's house was around the corner from a store. And it was this cute little boutique with all these local designers. And I used to go in and kind of hang out there between clients sometimes. And I befriended one of the employees who would work behind the register. And one day I saw her sewing over these ropes, this fabric over this length of rope. And it was, what's that? Oh, that's my trapeze. And I was I was instantly fascinated. I
2: was oh like, wow. Oh, tell me
0: about that. And what she did was, you know, when you think of trapeze or sort of the swinging trapeze, and this wasn't that, this is what was called static trapeze, which is more like what you'll see at Cirque du Soleil. So I was instantly fascinated, but had my dog walking career, wasn't able to do anything like it couldn't afford to take trapeze lessons. But one day I get a call from her, her name was Cecilia, that she was moving to my neighborhood and that she had bunnies and how much would I charge for watching her bunnies because she travels a lot. I thought about it for about two seconds (laughs) and told her that I would barter for trapeze lessons. There oh, that's you, fun. Bunnies for
2: trapeze. Hey, yeah, I like that. Yes. How hard
1: is it to watch bunnies, though? You don't walk not, them. Not hard at all. They don't <laughs> do a whole lot. Um, Chris, did you, you just say to... you don't walk bunnies? Do you walk bunnies? I don't know. Do you walk them? Yeah. You do not walk bunnies.
0: <laughs> okay. You mostly sit there while they hop around and, and feed them green. I think a little raisins that come out of them, I heard.
2: Okay, okay. TMI, TMI.
0: <laughs> Actually, when you're, in the, when you're in the pet industry, there's a lot of discussion of poop. Oh, see? There you go.
2: So you bartered for trapeze lessons. Now, when you're taking lessons, do people have trapeze, I don't even know know what they're called, like trapeze swings in their house, or do they have them at a facility that you have to go to? Well, both.
0: And I actually had this really interesting situation where when I took my lessons, she had her trapeze rigged at this sewing studio community space that the store she was working at owned but i also lived in a loft building at the time in this very artsy loft building and had a trapeze set up in my apartment no way
2: that sounds really fun i can imagine that our kids would have a blast with that now if you, when you have a trapeze hanging in your loft apartment did you have to have like the crash pads below it or were you no you get the blankets or the pillows like the kids do
0: <laughs> I did I did have mats um, that I used because that's the responsible
1: and safe thing to do oh, right
2: yeah Chris is like I wouldn't do that I know. <laughs> like, like, hey, my hey, hey, you
1: got me down there right you got me I Remember, got your phone you're watching me right don't watch me don't watch your phone I'm gonna fall
2: <laughs> so with the trapeze uh, d- is that something that you just did as a hobby or did you pursue do it in performing arts in some way.
0: I did. I did some performing arts. I'd say I'd call myself semi semi pro. Um, so I did do some local Brooklyn cabaret shows. I dangled in the air at warehouse parties actually one time i did one where moby was djing
2: so that was you're at a
1: rave doing trapeze work awesome no i've seen that
2: on like movies where they'll have the aerialists up and they don't well i don't know the different terms so i'm sorry if i misspeak but they look like ribbons not like the swing type of trapezes like i saw on was it like the greatest showman uh, but I've seen like the ribbons or the sashes that people use. Is that something you do?
0: those are those are aerial silks. um mm. that is not an apparatus that I do. There are lots of apparatuses, but aerial silks or tissue they're called sometimes. And that's a very popular one at, at all kinds of events and shows. And yeah, it looks uh, great. A lot like of people it's start going like that. A,
1: like an angel through the air, you know mm-hmm. looks great. Yeah.
2: So your trapeze is it? Um, uh, do you, first of all, do you still do that? Um, I've been pretty bad
0: about it lately. Uh, we did buy an outdoor aerial rig when we left the city for the pandemic, but I haven't really used it that much because there's a lot of bugs up here. Mm. <laughs> it's either too hot or too cold.
2: Oh yeah. I guess like flying through the air on a trapeze, if you had your mouth open and there's bugs, that'd probably be a recipe for gagging.
1: <laughs> well, it's still different <laughs> or than riding
2: Oh, getting bit?
0: Yeah, mosquitoes. Ooh. That sounds like fun.
2: Oh, speaking yeah. of which, we didn't ask you what area of the country do you live in?
0: Oh, I live in New York State in the Catskills, which is a beautiful ancient mountain range 90 miles north
1: of New York City. So, when you, people say you're from New York, or you say you're from New York, people always assume you're from the city, usually?
0: Yeah, well, they always assume that. I I did I grew up upstate up very close to where I am now. And I lived in New York City for about 20 years. But yes, if you are from New York, you are from the city. The rest of this very large state doesn't even exist.
1: Right. I didn't know. I forgot all about the rest of the state of New York City. I thought New York was the city and that was all you get. It's almost like California, too. People say you're from California. They just assume you live on the beach or next to Hollywood. It's or very true.
2: Now, the Catskills, how many? How often do you get asked when you tell people that if you've uh, seen the set of Dirty Dancing? Uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a movie you've seen, Chris? I think you said you've never even watched that. I've have I've seen
1: you? parts of it. I kind of get the idea Blasphemy.
2: about it. me me, I don't think I've How ever sat How can you not there. have seen it? I know, right? I've seen
1: parts of it. Like <laughs> I said, I, when a commercial break comes, I leave.
2: Oh, okay. You're watching it with me tonight. It's settled. It's
1: so good. You have to watch it. It's so
2: good, Chris.
1: Uh, nobody's putting baby in the corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you even know what that comes from?
1: Yes, there's a baby. It was in the corner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate you being on the show with us today, Hana, and we're really interested in learning more about your fantastic business. So first of all, you mentioned dog walking and trapeze, but now you are in the world of pet food. What was that transition like?
0: A very abrupt one. So this is a bit of a story. Oh, well, we're um, ready to hear a little it. Time. We love stories. So once upon a time in 2009, I was working as a dog walker, trying to support myself as an artist and budding trapeze aerialist. And um, one of my dog walking clients was this older woman. Her name was Mia. And she herself was a dog walker, but also a small business owner. She had moved from Tribeca in Manhattan to my neighborhood, and she had what I like to call an underground dog food company. What?
1: Okay, she... that sounds shady, like an underground brothel or maybe a <laughs> uh, one of those uh, speakeasies, maybe? Oh,
0: yeah. Is that what was like? Well, there, there was stuff that was a little shady about <laughs> it. Um, so basically what happened, how she got started in this is she lived in Tribeca during 9-11. Ooh. And like many people in the neighborhood, she didn't really leave after after the planes hit and there was all this rubble in the neighborhood. Even though everyone was supposed to evacuate, there were all these toxins in the air. But there were these diehard holdouts, and she was one of them. And what happened was not that long after her dog was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, no. A lot of the dogs, you know, a lot of people now are starting to have these cancer diagnoses that they think are, yeah. So what happened was it happened to the dogs a lot faster. They're smaller animals. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So her dog was given a six-month prognosis.
2: And
0: like many of us dog people, her dog was her everything. So she did a lot of research to see what she could do to help support him. And help his body fight the cancer. And she came to cooking and she started cooking for her dog and researching and working with vats. And her dog actually ended up living another six years.
1: Well, oh, wow. Now, after they said the dog wouldn't make it this year, lived six years yeah, beyond yeah. that? Yeah, he, he lived six years
0: beyond his original prognosis. Yeah.
2: And did they credit that to nutrition or was it like the doctors couldn't explain it? I mean,
0: it's listen. Food, food is medicine. But at the end of the day, you can never say this is the thing, you know. Um, but but she certainly credited to the nutritional aspect of it, and so did so did a lot of the neighbors. And she started she started cooking for the neighborhood and built this little business that she scaled to the point where she was working with the USDA incubator kitchen and having this food made in thousand pound runs and she had two stores two retail establishments in new york that she was working with and how i became involved in this is she moved to my neighborhood after she got priced out of tribeca because that's what happened um it just gentrified to this point where no one could afford to live there
1: oh wow it's horrible it's like everywhere now
0: Oh, all of, all of New York City is like this. Um, I moved upstate. Uh, I still have my apartment there, but I'm never going back. <laughs> um, and she got priced out of the neighborhood, moved to my neighborhood, and I was connected with her because she actually, she was still boarding people's dogs. So at any given time, she'd have four or five of other people's dogs at her house. And she caught pneumonia over over the Christmas break.
2: A mutual friend
0: introduced us, and I came in to like walk these five dogs three times a day that she was taking care of. And I got paid to do this. I made bank, but for for walking the dogs, for walking the dog. Oh, dog walkers make a ton of money. Okay, I I made more money as a dog walker than I do
1: now. Okay, okay. (laughs) How much does it is it per dog, or how does it work per hour, or how do you do it?
0: Uh, so basically. And like I was doing this during the golden years of dog walking before Ooh. before you had all these stupid tech company apps and it got super competitive and everyone's on Instagram. Right. So you basically you charge per dog for the length of the walk. Just like I would walk around and pick up cash at the end of the week.
1: So well, how uh, does it per size a dog or how does it work? You know, like you know,
0: it- everyone has their own parameters. I would charge more for puppies. I would charge more for dogs that had aggressive tendencies. I would charge more to run a dog as opposed to walk. So you Wait, can kind of that's
1: an option? I had no idea.
0: <laughs> it depends on who you're working with. You know, every every pet care professional has their own rates and their own services that they offer. I also did training. So I would do walk in trains and I'd charge for that. And boarding was actually amazing. So if you have someone's dog stay over at your house,
1: you could charge up to a hundred dollars a night for that no problem having a dog being boarded at someone else's house isn't your dog i don't get it well if you're going on vacation oh okay you didn't say that then like forever like hey i have a dog but it stays at somebody else's house it's like oh
0: no 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 no! it's for when you're traveling
1: oh like a pet stay hotel
0: yeah exactly if you if you are traveling and you want to make sure your dog has companionship gets fed on a regular schedule you don't want to leave your dog alone overnight there are two options you can either send them to a boarding facility, like a kennel, or you can work more personally with someone. And that's what that's what I was doing at the time when I met Mia. I was also, like her, having dogs stay over at my house, or sometimes I'd stay at other people's houses. Um, it just kind of depended.
2: Okay. Well, so you took over this, this dog bi- food business then, and so... It's, oh, oh the
0: story's way longer okay, than that.
2: Okay, <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I got
0: called in when, when Mia was sick. She had pneumonia. So I was walking her dogs that, that she was taking care of in addition to her own dog for about a week. And she slowly recovered. But she kept me on as a dog walker. So even though she was perfectly capable of taking her dog out, she'd have me come over once a day to spend some time with her dog. And I think to spend time with her because she was she's a little older. Right. Yeah. She seemed lonely, so we developed a friendship. After several months of this, one day I get a call from her, and I thought it was because I overslept and was late to walk her dog, but she was actually in the middle of having a stroke.
1: <gasps> oh, no. oh no!
0: Yeah, she called me. I think I'm having a stroke, and her her you know her voice was slurred. You could tell something was wrong, and I'm like, did you call nine one one? No. Okay, call 911. I'm coming over.
1: How far away were you, like, distant-wise?
0: Um, from her when this happened? Yeah. I was I was staying in a different neighborhood, so it was probably about 15 minutes okay, when okay. it happened. Normally, I was a two-minute walk from her house. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so I ran over to her place. I got there before the ambulance did. The ambulance took her to the hospital, and later... I sort of got sucked into the position of being the person taking care of everything. But it turned out the stroke was a minor stroke. She was supposed to return to her normal life after about six weeks of rehab. But in the meantime, her animals, her apartment, her bills all needed to be taken care of. And also the, the dog food business. So I was I was holding a lot in terms of how to how do I deal with managing all of this? My uh, another dog walking client of mine at the time we were we were close and I told him about what was happening and he actually was like, you know, I think I know a situation that you can help with. It turns out my now business partner, Allison, who's an amazing human being, had just come back to New York temporarily because her building had been sold. She needed to pack up her apartment. But I was also her dog walker just on a more intermittent basis. And she was a health-supportive personal chef. So we were sort of introduced in the capacity of helping Mia run this business. And, so, you know, Allison would sublet at the apartment and we would take care of everything until Mia was up and running again and, and ready to return and, and get back to her normal life. So that was the plan. And, of course, that's not how the plan worked out. Pretty much as soon as Allison got back from a trip she'd been on and was ready to start with a sublet, we get another call from the hospital that Mia had had two more strokes. No. And was paralyzed.
2: That's horrible.
0: Un- it was horrible. I mean, just I, every time, I tell this story a lot, but every time I tell it, it's a little oh, bit traumatic. Yeah.
1: Oh, I bet, yeah.
0: Um, but she was paralyzed. She was unable to speak or swallow. And... But there was still hope that she maybe would get better. But it became it 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 went from being this discreet six week situation to this very open ended question mark. Um, But we did everything we could. We were delivering dog food around, making dog food, doing you know trying to get a real understanding of what was happening here with with her business, and we realized that. There was a lot about it that wasn't necessarily on the up and up, just in terms of things like taxes and paperwork and registering with the state and all of the things that you need to do to legally sell dog food. So, is there a lot
1: of rules involved? Dog food versus people food? I, I, th- I would think less because it's not human consumption, right?
0: Yeah, it's less than you'd think. Um, it's a little bit. It's it's weird because it's different in every state. There oh. is there is. Some federal oversight, but very little. It's it's very piecemeal and strange. There are certain labeling standards that you have to abide by. There are nutritional profiles that you need to hit. You're not supposed to poison any dogs, but it happens a lot. What? <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to have foodborne pathogens, but it happens a lot. Well, I bet it does. You're, yeah. Yeah, so there's just you, there are and there aren't. If that makes sense, there are rules,
1: but there's no oversight. Now, big question and, I have about dog food uh, is this: is uh, how many horses had to give their lives up to be in the dog food?
0: What you know, I I, I, I don't want to know the answer to that.
2: These days,
1: hopefully, none. Although <laughs> well, old, some wasn't of the like things, like old running joke that like uh, the horse went to the dog food factory after you know you put up in no down? the glue
2: factory, honey. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, actually, actually, I mean a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> okay. well, because what happened, you know, what happens when animals, um, like, you know, those farm animals and, and what are, are euthanized for whatever reason, parts of them can be used to make gelatin, but it's sort of like what happens to the rest of them. And, uh, okay. oh, this is getting, this is going down a dark alley. Yeah, <laughs>
1: let's, let's
2: shift back. Okay. So I'm going to go a, back
0: a, to my story, yeah, which, okay, which, I'm which so I think sorry. ends a
2: little bit better,
0: <laughs> but <laughs> go to a dark place, go to a dark place. So, what happened was, is we sort of realized that there was a lot wrong with this company, but there was also so much right with the concept. Allison's dog Connor was six; had never eaten a bad meal in his life. He was he was raw fed; he was healthy, but he was a little, you know, he's starting to put on the weight. He was a six year old, and yeah, a little chubby. Uh, anyway, he he went on on this food, what is now Evermore, and he slimmed down his coat got so glisteny and back to the poop his poop which has always been a little bit not perfect suddenly was just kind of like so firm and easy to pick up what every dog owner wants so he was he was thriving and we realized that this was something that needed to be in the world even though mia was clearly incapable at this point of of doing it she was she was paralyzed and and really in a really horrible situation. So we went to her and explained where we were at with it, that we wanted to carry on with what she'd started and to do it correctly. And we very much with her blessing sort of started over. We started a new company. We did the research that we needed to do crossed our keys dotted our eyes and that's how that's how evermore itself got started so it kind of branched
1: out from her company you guys kind of like grew it out of that to create something totally new but same a little bit i'd say
0: like she was the seed okay great yeah the seed to what you have today she was the seed and at this point we're the tree but so within within a few months of that we had actually gotten the food into about 30 stores nice yeah, and uh, scaled production a little bit more. And okay. not long after, she actually passed away.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. It was, Gosh.
0: yeah, so that, that's, it's a rough story. Ah, um, yeah. But also, I mean, I think it's kind of beautiful Um, that sort of we were in the right place at the right time. And for, first of all, I had sort of stepped into the role of being her daughter. Like, there was no one else who was going to, deal with all the nursing homes and you know do basically take care of her for, for the end thing. of her life. And I don't think anyone else would have would have carried on with her vision for the food. So it was just one of these weird synchronistic things. And Allison and I too, we were both at points in our lives where we were just so open to whatever was going to happen. I was I was getting bored with dog walking and she Literally thought she was going to move to California and was just in New York for a little while.
1: Okay, okay. So, uh, is the recipe for the dog food today, this original one? Oh, not at all. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So, what did you yeah. improve upon it?
0: Um. So, not only did we change out the recipe, but we also changed a lot about the ingredient sourcing. So... The first thing that we did, this is a little nerdy. Uh, There's these certain nutrient profiles that you have to hit in dog food. And what we realized through our initial laboratory testing was that it wasn't quite where it needed to be in terms of things like calcium and phosphorus and the balance of different minerals and getting certain vitamins. So our first order of business was to just kind of research getting that balance right. And then there was changing the ingredients, which we didn't realize we had to do until we submitted to New York State for our labels. So every, oh, really? yeah, and I mean this is this is where pet food law gets a little stupid. Uh, so the original iteration of the recipe had burdock, nettle, and
1: rose hips in it. Like All you of these, do, right? And come on now,
0: yeah, those are really common ingredients. So, Where do you even find those anyway, I, I, all,
1: I don't think I saw them in the store.
0: Yeah, they're all, um, you know, they're all things that are, you know, medicinal plants. Um, oh, okay. Burdock is a, it's a staple of macrobiotic cooking. Nettle has, um, you know, these sort of anti-allergenic properties. Anyway, these are, they're sort of very nutraceutical foods, but they are not defined by AFCO, which is the American Association of Feed Control Officials. Oh. And what that is, Is they are a non-government body that sets these standards that are then adopted by government bodies as the sort of the nutritional and ingredient requirements
1: for pet food. Okay. That's all that's a mouthful, but can is it human okay for human consumption or no? Um well our food is okay for human consumption. Most most pet food,
0: I if you told me to eat it, you should (laughs) don't to go near it. Um, right. But so could, yeah, so does
1: it have to pass a certain level to where it could be for human consumption?
0: So human grade is actually a very new concept in pet food, and we were we were sort of towards the early side of that movement. And basically, for food to be considered human grade, every ingredient in the food needs to be fit for human consumption. The entire production process needs to happen in a facility that meets the standards for human food consumption. Um, In our case, it's a USDA kitchen. And then every aspect of transport needs to meet the standards for human food consumption. No way. So theoretically, but we can't be labeled, we still have to be labeled not for human consumption. Or it doesn't say that in our boxes, but Uh. the idea is, is our food can't be considered for human consumption, but it has to go through the exact same processes and standards of food for human consumption. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, who would have thought? And this is this is a whole new segment oh, of the really? industry.
1: Yeah. I thought I thought um, that that someone said a lot years ago years ago you can eat um, alpo if you wanted to, but it's not really healthy for you, but you could if you had to in like a pinch, I guess. I mean
0: you can eat anything in a pinch. <laughs> it's just <laughs> what it does to you is the question.
1: Right. So
2: okay. So one of the things that I was wondering about, Hana, is and I think I might have missed this. Your food, your dog food that you create, is it consumed by dogs in a dry, like a pebble or crunchy format? Or is it like one of those newer brands that you see where they fresh ship? Uh, like, I don't even know how you explain it, but it's like a,
1: a tuna can- so,
2: No, it's like a, they're in these like plastic bags, kind of like flat bags, but they're like a fresh refrigerated food.
0: So those newer brands that you see that ship fresh refrigerated frozen food those foods are like us
2: (laughs) we're we're sort of
0: we're we're sort of one of the ogs in the category a lot of a lot of these companies came out much later than we did Um,
1: okay
0: yeah so we were we were one of the original foods in that what is now called a gently cooked or or fresh category Uh, like uh we started doing this in 2009 a lot of these companies companies like this are just cropping up today they're everywhere so it it used to get my hackles up but now i'm actually appreciating the fact that there is a broader category because there's broader category awareness
1: now does uh do do you guys use the term organic at all in any of your products so we use all um all of our produce is certified organic
0: ingredients and this is going to get nerdy again. So the only time you can have an adjective in the ingredient list on your label is if something is certified organic. You can say organic. Right. So all of our produce is organic. All of our, you know, the oats and barley that we use in some of our formulas are is organic. Basically, almost everything besides the meat is certified organic. Now, the meat is not certified organic, but according to the popular conception of what organic is, it technically is, and where we really focus our energy on the meat and really our sourcing in general is on humane sourcing. We really, really, really care about animal welfare.
1: And so, what kind of meat product does go into your products? Like, what animals? So, whatever?
0: we have four. We have four proteins that we are using. Uh, we use beef. We use lamb. We use chicken. And we use turkey, and actually, other than our lamb from New Zealand, all of our proteins are from California. From, from look at where that, you guys are. yeah, Farming out
1: here now. Which ones yeah. do the dogs prefer? Does it make a difference?
0: It's it's entirely up to the individual. You haven't seen so, say a
1: spike in one versus another, like whoa, dogs love turkey or something.
0: There's no, you know, there's no, there's no generalizing. It's the same as us. We all have our preferences.
1: Right. I just was wondering with the dog food if one was a hot seller versus another, you know.
0: I there so definitely our beef is okay. is okay. currently our best seller. But it's it's very close and depending every month sometimes it'll be a little bit different, but but our grass-fed beef uh, from the Central Valley is
1: our Well, that's where best from. Seller.
2: I am from the Central Valley of California. Well, look at that. Farm country, yeah. my homeland. So one of the things that I was wondering about as I was looking through your website and just kind of learning more about the dog food that you create, it led me back to a conversation that I had with the our dog's veterinarian. So we have a puppy. She is about uh, 18 months old. And as she was going through some of her first checkups during that first year of life, um, about, you know, five or six months in, I was talking with my doctor, uh, my doggy doctor about (laughs) the type of food that we were feeding Clover, our baby. And she was, we were looking at the ingredients list. And she said, as much as possible, you should really consider making her um, be on a grain free diet. And I didn't understand what that was all about, but I've heard things about grains and corn and cornmeal and those types of items not being as gentle for dogs. But can you teach us a little bit about the grain-free dog food movement?
0: Sure. Um, and we do have we do have minimally grain inclusive and grain-free formulas. So. Basically, and there's there's a couple of schools of thoughts on this, like the very conventional veterinary kind of big, big pet school of thought is that grains are totally fine. Dogs can digest grains. And the more holistic end of the spectrum is that your dog is a carnivore. They evolve from wolves. They should keep their carbohydrates to a minimum. Now, dogs definitely thrive on, on more carnivorous diets. So that is 100%. For sure. They can digest grain. That's actually one of the things that separates them from wolves as they did evolve. There's a they did evolve more of the ability, more the gene for amylase production. Amylase is responsible for breaking down carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Dogs have 28 times more of that than wolves. Oh, wow. So they can digest carbohydrates. That doesn't mean that they should. So,
1: like beer um, and stuff like that right don't feed your dog beer i right?
2: was just gonna say my dog can also digest newspaper but probably <laughs> oh do- yeah video. i mean dogs
0: they're scavengers yeah. so you- your dog is hardwired to go after whatever they can find your slippers yeah, yeah i get
1: that one yeah
0: <laughs> but but really the best thing for them is a diet that's predominantly meat and honestly a diet that's fresh if you think about it ultra processed food is not good for you or me Right, so why would it be good for our dogs? Definitely.
1: What about home cooked meal? Like, say you have leftover steak for dinner. Is it okay to feed your dog that?
0: Yes, with some caveats. Okay. Um, so you don't want to give your dog anything heavily seasoned. Oh,
1: okay. No. Seasoning.
0: So if you do, you know, if if you do a really a really spicy dry rub. Yeah. Yeah, maybe wipe that off. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Or, or you know, cut cut it off. You don't want to focus on giving them just the fatty bits.
1: Mm-hmm. But they love that so much. Yeah, you know, that's their like fair part. Are.
0: Don't don't ever do if, if 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 it's something that you're cutting off the steak and like throwing away because it's too much fat. You don't want to give that to yep, your dog. Don't
2: feed it to your puppy. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think no cooked bones.
1: Why not? So what's the difference?
0: Cooked bones become brittle. Oh, I they shatter. Wonder.
1: Like I heard, yeah, they bo- shatter. Bones. And heard, don't give your dog chicken bones because they can break. Don't off. give your
0: dog chicken bones. I mean, actually, you can give your dog raw chicken bones, but it depends on the size. There's there's a lot of factors here. I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of raw bones but in terms of cooked bones you, those are just a definite no they can shatter they can cause all kinds of internal damage and occasionally death oh nice. i did not realize how just endemic chicken bones were until i became a dog walker
1: yeah i heard i always heard about that the chicken bones were always bad for dogs but what are the bones you do give your dogs i see well give your dog a bone what kind of bones would would be good for a dog
0: Raw meaty bones. Um, so basically, and this is a whole, a whole foundation of the whole raw feeding movement is that oh, another movement, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's so many food movements. So much, so yeah. much. People have their dogma when it comes to food. Yeah, uh,
2: no pun intended. They're no dogma. pun intended.
0: <laughs> I'm all about the puns. So, so yeah, raw bones are a great way to clean your dog's teeth. No way. I, yeah. So you know how a lot of people will say, "Oh, your dog needs kibble because." Kibble cleans their teeth. I had no idea.
1: I thought Colgate did that, but okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's this whole myth that kibble cleans your dog's teeth, and which is absolutely not true. If if you or I ate, I think the closest thing to kibble I can think of is grape nuts. I was gonna say
1: grape nuts. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: If if you and I ate that every day and didn't brush and didn't floss, like how clean do you think our teeth would be?
1: Don't don't get close to me. Back off, right? Your breath is (laughs) killing me here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, brushing your teeth, actually manually brushing your dog's teeth is probably the best way to get them clean. Yeah. A lot of owners are not up for that, and a lot of dogs don't love it. So giving them something to chew on. Chewing's a natural behavior for them. It keeps them busy. It keeps them mentally occupied. It keeps them out of trouble, but it also cleans their teeth.
2: Mm, Nice. Well, this has been super informative, and I've just been thinking about my puppy Clover and um, the food that I feed her, and maybe we need to start thinking about a switch. Now, I was wondering, because I was skimming through your website, and it looks like you sell the dog food in one-pound packages, so does it need to be refrigerated?
0: Yes, so it comes frozen, and frozen, frozen, you could... Probably store it for years. Uh, it's because it's vacuum sealed as well. We could have wow. sous vide. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we date it 18 months out, but I'm not even going to tell you how I found some stuff in the back of my freezer that <laughs> was way past date that I fed my dog. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, you store it frozen. And then once you thaw it down, it's good in the fridge for you know about five days. What you would what you would consider safe for your own for your own consumption. Nice. That's probably what I would consider for your dog. Do
1: you have to warm it up at all?
0: Uh, you don't need to warm it up. Um, if your dog is really picky, so sometimes the dog is really picky and prefers it, heat it up. But most dogs just gobble
1: at fridge temperature, but not freezer temperature. Don't give them an ice cube of <laughs> uh, dog food, right? You know,
0: my dog, she was a husky mix, and actually, sometimes she really liked chomping on it frozen. No way. But I don't necessarily. Yeah, uh, the arctic dogs sometimes kind of like that, but but I don't recommend that as a general practice.
1: Now, now your food when you actually do package it, do you guys put like a born on date or expiration date on the package at all?
0: Yeah, so there is there is a date so as i mentioned before it's sous vide so it goes into a pouch and then it's steamed at low temperatures up to 165 degrees for the poultry and 159 for the red meat and uh, anyway at the, on those pouches the date is printed it's the date that it was created okay so okay that's
1: good so you so you kind of idea when it was actually put in the bag now do you based on that do you have kind of an expiration date like do with human food at all yeah we we it 18 months out Okay. Okay. 18 months from when you guys packaged it. Okay. Oh, actually,
0: I, I I misspoke. Okay. What we what we print on the bag is actually the expiration date. Got it. Okay. But if you subtract 18 months, that's when it was made.
1: Okay. Well. Okay. Okay.
2: That clarifies. So, have you yes. re- ever run into anybody that didn't want to invest in fresher or freezer type of food for their dog because they don't have the space? And if so, how would you refute that?
0: Honestly, it's not so much about the space for people. I think the biggest barrier for people has been budget. Oh. Um, food like this, fresher food, is a lot that uses real ingredients, especially a food like ours that uses the best quality ingredients out there. Like our 100% grass-fed beef from regenerative ranches, you know, that's that doesn't come at elbow prices. Okay, so okay. I think that that's been the biggest barrier. And for that, we've always said, you know, this doesn't have to be a dog's complete diet. A little bit of fresh food is better than no fresh food. And even if it's not our food, if you can add some fresh meat, you know, some fresh
1: antioxidant
0: rich vegetables to your dog's diet, that's going to do so much for them. Because at the end of the day, we just want there to be more healthier dogs.
1: Would it be wise to kind of like slowly, if you're going to switch cold turkey, I guess, from say... (laughs) Alpha <laughs> generic to your stuff would it be wise to slowly kind of weed it into their food?
0: Oh absolutely you definitely want to transition um okay. you don't want to you don't want to just be like okay, here's the new food <laughs> I mean there are some dogs who can handle that definitely okay. there are dogs that have cast iron stomachs um, oh okay but for most dogs and what we generally recommend is that it is like the slow transitional process and okay. then it's a process that involves feedback so you see how your dog is handling it once again back to the poop
1: Right. Or other side, too. To get
0: or new. other side, yeah. I mean, if it's coming up
1: the front, that's that's definitely um, not now, a good what thing. Is it, where, where can you find your product at? What stores are you guys in? How do you, How can we get out here? Sure,
0: absolutely. So we primarily sell our products online. And you could find that on our website, evermorepetfood.com. E-V-E-R-M-O-R-E-P-E-T-F-O-O-D.com um or we do actually also work with select retailers we actually have more in california than a lot of other places so on our website there is a stores option on our drop down and you can check out the store locator to see if there is
1: anywhere nearby are they their own store entity or is it like inside like a pet smart or something like that
0: oh no, no no we only work with independent retail
1: oh oh okay okay Awesome. Fantastic. And what does it cost for your, are there different, different states, shipping costs? What does it usually cost to order the food?
0: So if you subscribe, which involves um, ordering like a large case, which is 16 pounds on whatever basis you want, um, end up uh, for sizes, then it starts at around $190 for those 16 pounds. There is a price break that happens if you order twice that amount. We can also fully customize how much and when people receive their food.
1: Okay, okay. Now when it does get shipped out to me, since you said it was frozen, is it like is it like ice pack? What do you call it? The dry ice or something? Oh, it's dry ice, uh, which is I think dry ice is awesome, but we've
0: actually had people like think that we were sending them carbon monoxide. No way, because <laughs> like, it's all smoky yeah. opens up. Yeah, people yeah, yeah it yeah, so Wilson, you know, you've got the you've got this the, the sublimated CO two that comes out. If you right. put it in hot water, you know, you get your bubbling witches brew That's awesome. but yeah we ship with dry ice and we ship in these cooler boxes where there are liners sort of these insulated liners and those are filled with up uh, with post-consumer cotton straps so denim and things like that that have already gone through fabric recycling
1: oh nice now how long would it take for me to get an order one today how long would it take to ship it out here
0: so today is monday yeah um we- if you were to Order it before 10 AM tomorrow. It would ship from Nevada. We have we have warehouses in okay. different places. Okay, that makes sense. Um even though it's made in Long Beach, it would ship from Nevada. <laughs> and it would get to you by Wednesday.
2: Oh, that's not bad at all. So if you're ever running a little bit low on your supply, then you know it doesn't take a ton of time and you know, look at that. You don't even have to leave your house to get food for your favorite little pooch.
1: That's it. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Although, we, with with the state of the world and the state of you know everything and the natural disasters and all of that, we always we always tell people to plan ahead and to make sure that they have enough food in the event that something would happen or could happen. Um, because it's it's always better to be over prepared than under prepared. What is the, also-
1: the minimum uh, amount you can ship, and what's the maximum amount you can ship?
0: Sure. The minimum amount we can ship is we do these four pound samplers. So if people don't want to financially commit to a larger amount of food because they want to see if their dog likes it. Right, of course. You Makes can sense. buy. Yeah, absolutely. You can buy a four pound like a little sampler and you can mix and match flavors. So say you know already that your dog doesn't do well with lamb. Fine. You just order the you know, you can order the three other flavors and uh, you mix and match however you like that so that's the least you can get is those four pounds okay the most you can get well if you want to order a pellet, who you can talk about price well, Where are you breaks. gonna
1: keep in your freezer i don't know if You have to have a freezer to keep it
0: exactly you know we actually have a lot of customers who've invested in separate freezers just for their dog food no way
2: i would totally yeah. do that for my clover she's what? like my really? best buddy in the world If it was what type of dog is Clover? So Clover is um, she's a specialty breed called a Habibi bear. She is a therapy animal for one of our children, so she specializes in working with children on the autism spectrum, and so she is small and um, like a teddy bear. Yeah, she looks like a little teddy bear. (laughs) So she looks a little bit like a um, a miniature like golden doodle, like a tiny version. She's only nine pounds.
0: Oh, that's so cute. Also cost effective for our food. Um,
2: (laughs) So she was um, she is born and bred from an exclusive breeder up in the Seattle, Washington area. And very so very much like what you're talking about with food and nutrition um, when they the dogs are born and they have a special method that they use to train them, very loving and caring environment, special type of food to make sure that they're getting the nutrition that they need. And so it's something that we really take care to look after because we want her to have a nice, healthy, long life and to be able to bring the comfort to our family members that need her to be able to work effectively. And so she is just a super sweet puppy, and so uh, sometimes maybe, you know. <laughs> she's always sweet to me. <laughs> uh,
1: I know she's always. Who's your favorite? You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she so, sounds
0: great.
2: Yeah, she is just a little doll. She looks like a dog version of a mini Chewbacca. So she's like brown furry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially today, she gets groomed tomorrow, uh, but definitely, you know, people dogs are. I never realized until I had Clover how much joy that they can bring to your life and how devastating it can be if you lose a pet. And so for anybody that's listening, if you are worried about the nutrition that your dog is currently getting or you're wanting to you know, make healthier food decisions for your furry friends, then definitely look into Evermore Pet Food. And Hannah, I'm sure that you have a team that's ready to answer any questions if they go onto your website and ask about your product, right?
0: A very small team, yes. and I would say we have one dedicated customer service. I call her a customer service ballerina because she's a former dancer. Um, she's amazing. She is so knowledgeable. She is so responsive, and will help you personally customize whatever you need um, for your dog's issue, You know, for your dog. So. Um, we're very, we're very hands-on company. We're not one of those companies where you have to answer a million questions before they'll even tell you how much <laughs> your food costs. Yeah. You know? We're very we're very transparent about what our food is. You can find everything about it online. So nice. um, yeah, if you reach out, you'll talk to a human being and not a chat bot.
2: Ooh, we love that. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for being on the show today. Definitely, listeners, check out Evermore. And we wish you all the best of luck with your business.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This is really fun.
2: If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free.
1: Specializing in rock and alternative music. We're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day.
2: Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 Radio.
1: You know, Hannah was so great swinging by the studio today, and she actually dropped off some bags of dog food. Well, actually, not bags, but like little frozen pouches. Uh, pouches of dog food for Poor Little Clover Bear to have.
2: Poor Didn't Little it? Clover Bear. She is not a Poor Little Clover Bear. She got spoiled. And it was so funny because I was nervous about giving her some more like wet dog food because she typically has like the dry kibble. But you gave her a little bit. I mean, oh, you give, my goodness. You've been giving her little bits by little bits to introduce like it. Like a
1: small cup, probably like a quarter cup. Or half a cup size, mm-hmm. you know? And I put it in her bowl, and that's the first thing she goes to. And she just eats that and leaves her dry stuff. <laughs> so she'll eventually eat the dry stuff, too. But she just absolutely loves it so far. Don't you, Clover Bear? She's so excited. She sees me get the package out of the refrigerator. And she, like, watches me do it. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, that's a good stuff, Dad. <laughs> now, the stuff we got for uh, Clover... It's uh Hannah, it's a beef, right? Yeah. She asked me, which flavor do you want? And we chose the beef flavor for little Clover here. And she actually loved it. And Clover actually did say she wanted the beef flavor. The Clover <laughs> because Clover you know. does
2: like that. So we have the Clover stamp of approval, approved uh Evermore Pet Food that I'm mean, guessing if it's Clover approved, then uh I mean, you're good as gold, right?
1: Yeah. Clover loves it. She, she
2: does. Absolutely. And so we really appreciated that, Hannah. Thanks so much for being so kind and generous and letting our our little Clover Bear tested out before we aired the episode. She absolutely loved it so little much. Little fur full
1: belly she got. I here know,
2: right? She's just... so happy right now. She just had some. So, uh, well, what else, Chris? What what else is going on with us?
1: Well, we do have a, a Patreon page for all our lucky patrons out there. Now, if you want to hear the interview exclusively, without any uh, you know chit chat, straight to the straight to the content, straight to the interview, you can be a Patreon subscriber. But we don't only have paid stuff on there you can check out our patreon page for free there are some free stuff i have put over there
2: oh really is it like interesting stuff that people actually want <laughs> to look at how line up
1: you know what am i buying reader now come on well now. we
2: definitely need you to hop on over to our patreon and take a look at all of the different content
1: patreon.com us- slash the Chris and Christine show
2: and let us know if you like what you see and if you want to see more then subscribe we promise it's all g-rated it's not only fans <laughs> it's not not only
1: we're working on that it's gonna no. be like, ooh, actually warm it up so this is like we
2: we're joking about having like a, a Chris and Christine show feet
1: feed what Just... <laughs> we're talking about that's something <laughs> I you want like to see
2: feet and I'm they like that's do? so weird did I ever tell you that one time that I went to go to like a nail salon and the lady that was doing my nails was like talking with some guy on FaceTime and then um she was like talking with him and he was watching her work and then uh she had set her phone down and i thought she was talking with him she was filming my feet while she was doing the pedicure and i was like she
1: was just showing her work off Mm -hmm.
2: no i told her i'm uncomfortable please hang that up that's wrong and i was like how how can i get out of here but i only had like one toe painted
1: well, I would say like Patreon is like the um, gateway drug to uh, OnlyFans. <laughs> only no, that's so inappropriate.
2: <laughs> but hop on over there and check it out. And then where can our listeners find out more about Hana and more about our show?
1: Well, we have our all of our information will be in the show notes today for Hana and her wonderful business and all that like fantastic stuff. If you want to find out more about us and the Chris and Christine Show, you can go to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com.
2: And thank you so much for joining with us and sticking with this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed our conversation with Hana. And we'll be back with you next,
1: next week. week.